Welcome, future doctors, to the first ever episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future doctor. So glad you are joining us to our very first podcast episode of Future Minority Doctor. We have developed this podcast to have informal conversations to empower and inspire you that a career in medicine is possible. If you are listening to us today, it is because you were meant to be a doctor. There's a little voice inside of you that is whispering and telling you to be a doctor. Please listen to this voice and block out the other voices that often discourage you. Today, you've already taken the first step, which I feel is the hardest step. We are so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you, Dr. Zulma, for that excellent introduction. I think our listeners would like to know a little bit about us before we continue on. All right, so I'll tell you guys a little bit about myself. I am Dr. Zulma Kuret. Previously, Dr. Zulma Galvan, and some of my friends like to call me Dr. Z. I am a first-generation everything, basically. So what does that mean? I had no idea what the heck I was doing academically through high school and after graduating from high school. Let's just say I felt like I was walking blindly most of the time, which is why I am happy you are here today. My hope is your experience will be much better than mine was. I was born in Mexico, so first generation to this country. I grew up in Oceanside, northern part of San Diego. I was the first in my entire family. I'm talking about 100 extended family members. I was the first one to graduate from college. I was the first one and still am the only one who graduated from medical school in my entire family. I currently work as a child doctor or pediatrician seeing children from the moment of birth all the way up to their early adult years. The best thing I like about being a doctor is having a close relationship with my patients and their families, and most importantly is making sure that they're getting the health care they deserve. So now, Dr. Marina, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? I would love to. So my name is Marina Capella. I was born in the United States to parents who immigrated from Mexico. I grew up in Los Angeles and later near San Bernardino, California. I did really well in high school and I was really ambitious and I got into Stanford University, which sounds really impressive and it was a wonderful experience, but I made a lot of mistakes in college. I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't have any role models really to tell me exactly how to do that. So I made a lot of mistakes that I'll share with you later, and hopefully you can learn from those. I ended up getting into medical school at UC San Diego, and I wish I could say that once I got into medical school, everything was smooth sailing from there, but that wasn't the case. I struggled with depression during medical school, so I had to take an extra year, but I did make it through, and after that I completed a master's degree in education. It was a little bit of a detour. Then I did my residency in pediatrics at Harvard UCLA Medical Center, which is in Torrance, California. I practiced as a general pediatrician for about four years in North San Diego County. And after that, I ended up moving to Utah, where I currently am, and I'm working in urgent care as a pediatrician. I love working with kids and their families. I love helping them to feel better when they're sick or when they get injured. And I hope that my story can inspire many of you to become doctors in whatever specialty you choose. So why are we doing this podcast? 
both Dr. Zulma and I have realized that pursuing any goal in life, including becoming a doctor, is more than just taking some classes and passing some tests. A lot of it has to do with psychology, with believing in yourself, with knowing how to pick yourself up, dust yourself off when you fall. And so we really want to give you some of the tools for you to learn how to make it through high school, make it through college, get into medical school, and be as successful as you can be. That doesn't mean that you won't have your own challenges, but hopefully what you learn from this podcast will help you to get through your unique challenges in order to become the doctor that you want to be. I agree with you, Dr. Marina, and just for all of you that are listening, this is very important for us because we want you to become doctors. Now, you may be thinking, is this podcast for me? Should I even be listening to this podcast? Well, if you've ever asked yourself these questions, I want you to really think about it. Can a person like me really be a doctor? Or is it just too hard that people like me can't do this? There's too much competition. I'll never make it. Other things you might think to yourself are, I'm too different. People like me don't become doctors. Or, I don't think I'll fit in. Or have you ever asked yourself, I have too many family obligations. And my parents and my family, they need me. I can't afford it. My family doesn't have any money. Or, I've gone through too much. Or, I've made many bad mistakes in my past. I think it's too late for me. Or, I'm undocumented, have an accent, come from another country, I'll never get into medical school. Or, one of the most common, maybe I'm just not smart enough. I failed a test, or maybe I even failed a class. So how could I ever be a doctor? Or, what if I try and I fail? Another one we hear a lot, my family doesn't understand me or my goals. Or, as in my case as well, My parents didn't even go to school, or they didn't even graduate. How would I ever be able to make it? And, another one we often hear, you don't know where I come from, and you don't know what I've been through. It would just be a dream. Another one that especially women face is this question. How can I be a doctor and a wife or mother? So as the United States population becomes more diverse, we need doctors that understand and reflect the diversity of their patients. How many of you have seen a doctor that looks like you? Growing up, I never saw a doctor, one, and when I did see one, definitely did not look like me. So we looked at the current statistics of the United States, and here are a few facts. About 20 out of 100 people in the United States currently are Latino or Hispanic but only six out of 100 working doctors are Latino or Hispanic. Black and African-American individuals make up about 14 out of 100 people in the US, but only five out of 100 working doctors are Black or African-American. American Indians and Alaska Natives face a similar problem. They make up one out of 100 people in the US population, but less than 0.3% or 0.3 out of 100 working doctors. Overall, that means that Latinos, Blacks, and American Indians make up 33 out of 100 people in the United States, but only 11 out of 100 doctors are from one of those groups. Now, we've mentioned only a couple of groups, but you might say I might not fit in one of those. We understand there are other underrepresented groups as well. There's groups such as sexual minorities. There's people with disabilities. 
and people of other groups that have come from low socioeconomic backgrounds as well. But what we do know is that studies do show that having a doctor that shares your racial, ethnic, or cultural background leads to better communication, more trust, and better health outcomes for the patient. I really love this quote from the American Association of Medical Colleges. They say, quote, when healthcare providers have life experience that more closely matches the experiences of their patients, patients tend to be more satisfied with their care and adhere to medical advice. This effect has been seen in studies addressing racial, ethnic, and sexual minority communities when the demographics of healthcare providers reflect those of underserved populations. So I know Dr. Marina and I have had many experiences where what she just shared with you, um, we see it with our patients. So Dr. Marina, can you maybe let our future doctors know what are your experiences as a doctor? Sure. So as I mentioned, I worked as a general pediatrician in North San Diego for about four years. When I was there, I noticed that one of the most common problems I saw was children struggling with obesity or with being overweight and with nutritional complications from that. So I saw kids who were already having the beginning of diabetes or the beginning of liver disease or the beginning of bone problems because they were carrying extra weight. And unfortunately, there weren't very many things we could do to really help these children and families that were struggling with childhood obesity. We could have a 15-minute visit to talk about diet and talk about exercise and talk about emotional eating, but really that was not enough to make a dent in the issue. So I decided, with the help of a grant that the clinic received, to start a program. It was a nutrition and exercise program where we invited not just the children but the families to come in once a week, and we would have lectures on nutritional topics, and we would do a fun form of group exercise, and we would incentivize them to come to the classes by giving them things like reusable water bottles and pedometers. And we would also have at the very end of each class a food demonstration where we would cook food together and have the kids try it. And it was all focused on healthier eating. I had mostly Latino and Hispanic patients. A lot of them spoke Spanish. And the fact that I myself had grown up in a similar family and a similar cultural setting was really helpful when I was designing the program. I felt like I knew what kind of foods were commonly being eaten by these families. And so I was able to design recipes that were similar to the foods that they were already eating, but healthier. We were also able to provide the classes in both English and Spanish so that it was accessible to a lot more families. And I felt like just my cultural background coming from a Latino Hispanic background helped me to really understand the problems that were being faced by these families and children. And in fact, I myself was obese as a child and a lot of my family has struggled with obesity. So that gave me an additional helpful perspective when I was designing these nutrition classes. I had so many parents at the end of those classes come to me and say, we really appreciated this. We learned so much. Thank you for helping my child and my family. So how about you, Dr. Zuma? I know that you also work as a pediatrician. 
you work with a lot of teenagers and Spanish-speaking families. So what's an experience you've had that helps remind you of why diversity is important? I've had many similar to you. And for you that are listening, whether you're in the car listening or you're at home, I'm sure that you already know how important it is to have a doctor that understands you. And most importantly, that just gets you. Uh, I work for a clinic that serves mostly patients from low socioeconomic backgrounds. I would say about 90% of my patients are minorities from different ethnicities, mostly Latino. Uh, I speak Spanish every day. When I meet a patient for the first time, when they're brand new to the clinic, the energy that I feel when I walk into that room, there's just no words for it. Uh, As soon as they see me or I start speaking their language, it's almost this immediate sense of comfort and trust that is unspoken. My teenage patients as well, they often tell me, you know, doctor, I feel like you just get me. I sometimes feel like other people or other doctors I've seen, they don't understand me. They don't understand what it's like to have parents that have these traditional cultural thoughts yet I'm trying to survive here, it's, it's really hard. And, and when I come in and, and I'm able to bring my mom and dad to talk, it's almost like you help them understand me and where I want to go or who I want to be. And that's where the parents, on the flip side, they also say, I'm so glad you speak Spanish because I can communicate thoroughly what I'm feeling. I know you understand me. I know you understand my culture. You know what life is like for me. And I was also lucky and fortunate enough where I grew up in San Diego. Uh, I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. I grew up with uh, friends who were from Samoa. Um, I grew up with African-American friends. My best friend, actually, her parents are deaf, so her first language is sign language. I grew up around uh, a lot of Asian friends as well. So I, I was very, very fortunate to be exposed to a lot. And I say I'm fortunate now as a doctor because when I see patients that come from different backgrounds that are non-Spanish speaking backgrounds and growing up, I took part a lot in learning some of the language, some of the food, some of the traditions that when they come in, I'm able to share that with them and their face just lights up and they're like, oh, so you've had this. Oh, so you've done this. Oh, so you've done this. And it's just amazing that connection that you build, and they keep coming back. And then they tell their family, this is why having diversity in medicine is so, so important. And this is why having you become a doctor is so important. So many patients are waiting for you to be their doctor. I love that, Dr. Zulma. I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. One of the things that Dr. Zulma and I have noticed and that inspired us to make this podcast is that we do see a lot of underrepresented minority students in high school or college wanting to be doctors, but having trouble finding mentors for them, people to guide them through the process, people to help them understand what they need to do in high school, what they need to do in college to become a competitive applicant and get into medical school. So the fact is, unfortunately, that because we don't have that many underrepresented minority doctors currently in the United States, we don't have enough mentors to guide all of these students that want to go into medicine. So we hope that through this podcast, we can sort of be virtual mentors to you. 
and that the messages in these podcast episodes will be able to reach more people than we could ever reach one-on-one. Some of the people I've known through medical school, they grew up having parents or having uncles and aunts that were doctors. And so ever since they were little, they had someone there who was a doctor telling them, this is what it's like. This is what you need to do if you want to become a doctor. This is what I love about my job. This is what I don't like about my job. I had one friend who's both mom and dad were doctors, and they actually kind of discouraged her from being a doctor because they felt like the practice of medicine was changing and it was just a really hard career in some ways. But she decided that she wanted to become a doctor anyway and does a wonderful job. But a lot of us coming from maybe more disadvantaged backgrounds, we don't have aunts or uncles or parents who are doctors. And so we kind of want you to think of us as the aunts or uncles you wish you had who are telling you all of the nitty gritty secrets of how to succeed if you want to become a doctor. Dr. Marina, I couldn't have said that better. We do. We want to be that mentor, that family member that you just don't have, just like we didn't have, or the connections to someone who is a doctor that you can relate to and ask questions. So we're we're hoping to reach you just to get you guys motivated and listening to that little voice inside of you that wants to become a doctor. And we're here to support you and tell you that you can do it. Absolutely, Dr. Zuma. And like you said earlier, you don't have to be from a certain group to listen to this podcast. If you like the topics we discuss and you want to hear inspiring stories from doctors who have overcome a variety of challenges and come from a variety of backgrounds, we welcome you. We want you to listen. So let's talk a little bit about what this podcast will be about. What can you expect to hear in our many episodes to come? We want to empower you to become a doctor if that's what you want. So we'll be covering topics like... What does it take to become a doctor? What does it take to apply to medical school? We'll cover some tips for making the most of your high school or college experience. We'll talk about how can you deal with feelings of failure or experiences of failure. We'll also talk about a concept called growth mindset. We wish we knew this concept from the beginning. And the other big topic, uh, how do you deal with depression and anxiety? Also, how do you manage family expectations? We all come from different families, different backgrounds, and sometimes family expectations can get in the way of our goals. Also, how do you fit in in high school or college or in whatever environments you find yourself in? And another huge topic, which I struggled with extremely, is how do you get better at taking tests? And alongside with that is how do you manage your time well so that you can succeed both in high school and college to make your way onto medical school? These are just a couple of the topics we'll be talking about. We'll be discussing a lot of different life skills as well as different academic skills. So like I mentioned earlier, a lot of what it takes to become a doctor or to achieve anything else in life is psychological. It's believing in yourself. It's knowing how to overcome challenges. In addition to helping you figure out what classes to take, how to do well in those classes, how to take tests, how to manage your time, 
we'll be talking about the psychology topics like growth mindset and overcoming failure and depression and anxiety. We can't list all of the topics yet, but rest assured, we have many, many topics that we will be covering. And we want to hear from all of you if there are other ideas, topics that you've ever wondered about, go ahead and contact us and let us know what you want to hear from us. And I'd like to add as well, especially in the times that we're at now, is why this is so important now, as many of you who are now living through COVID times, the racial disparities in medicine are real. And what does that mean? I know in high school, if you told me anything about racial medical disparities, I would have no idea what you're talking about. Basically, what it means is that the health outcomes, depending on your race or ethnic background, are different. There is some type of different treatment going on with patients who come from different minority backgrounds that the outcomes after they're sick are different. Just as we're seeing with COVID right now, the outcomes are worse. The people who are sicker or even die tend to come from minority backgrounds. So keeping that in mind while you are living it right now is why it's so important to have more minorities in medicine. We think that by having more minorities in medicine, these numbers will improve and the outcomes will be better for our communities. Absolutely, Dr. Zola. In addition to empowering you to become a doctor, we also want to inspire you to become a doctor. If you're listening to this podcast, you already have some inspiration inside of you, and we want to nurture that inspiration. We will be sharing our own stories in more detail in episode two. And in addition, about once a month, we'll be posting episodes that are just inspirational interviews with minority doctors from all walks of life. They will be at different stages of their training, anyone from a seasoned doctor out in practice for 10 or 20 years to a doctor that just graduated from medical school um, to a doctor that is in medical school. We'll be hearing from males and females. We'll be hearing from doctors who are Black, Latino, Native American, and I'm sure others as well. We welcome your questions, and as we start to get questions from you through our website, we will do a couple of bonus episodes where we try to answer your specific questions. We're here for you. We will now leave you with a couple of our colleagues from different uh, specialties in medicine, many of them who are first-generation doctors, and we hope you enjoy listening to them, and hopefully you can identify yourself with one of them. Hello, this is Dr. Raymond A. Berdugo. I am Mexicano and Yaqui, a traditional danzante Azteca, play mariachi trumpet, and I am board-certified, licensed family medicine physician in San Diego, California. I currently have a panel of 2,200 patients and practice at a large organization. I work a regular schedule Monday through Friday in the clinic. My passion is teaching patients evidence-based nutrition and I take a holistic approach to health and wellness to truly address the underlying causes of disease. Thank you. Hi, my name is Blanca Cervantes and I'm a board certified psychiatrist. I was born in Mexico and then moved to the United States when I was about two and a half years old. I grew up in Santa Ana, California. 
I went to uh, UCLA for my undergrad, I got a degree in English, and took a slightly non-traditional path uh, into medicine. I taught high school for a couple of years and very much enjoyed that, but realized that uh, as much as I enjoyed teaching, I, my true vocation was medicine. I was able to apply to a post program at UC Irvine, which then allowed me to refine my resume and improve my MCAT preparation. I ended up going to UC San Diego for medical school and completed my residency at UC Irvine. My day-to-day practice of psychiatry involves a great deal of telehealth, so I'm able to work from home and have a very flexible schedule. I very much enjoy psychiatry because it allows me to have a uh, deeper, more interpersonal connection with my patients to develop a therapeutic alliance and witness their psychological growth and progress. My name is Marciana Laster, and I am a pediatric nephrologist at a large academic university in Southern California. A typical day for me varies depending on what course of my career I'm in. I spend about 70% of my time doing research, and the other percent of my time is spent in clinical care. On a typical research day, I can set my own hours, and I will come in and work on maybe a paper or doing data analyses for new data or enrolling patients in a study. Um, this typically occurs on my own time, so I can set the pace of how quickly I go, um, because in academia, it's uh, more important that you're producing products like papers and getting grants versus the amount of time you spend on a day-by-day basis. Every once in a while, probably once every month, I spend about a week in the hospital. And during that time, I go in and pre-round on patients and round with the teams, which include fellows and residents. And we see patients in the hospital setting who either have new kidney diseases or are our patients that we've known chronically and are on dialysis or have a transplant and are admitted for having an acute issue like C. diff diarrhea or pneumonia. So we'll typically round on the patients on our primary service, and then we will round on patients from teams who've consulted us, with the most common team being the ICU. Um, So we'll see those patients as well. And one of the more common things that we do for those patients is to start um, a very slow form of dialysis for very sick patients. What I love about my job is that it provides me with balance. So I get a balance between research, but also clinical care. For some people, 30% clinical care may not sound like enough, but I actually don't feel like I'm missing out on clinical care, just given the volume that we see when I am on service. But I do feel that the research component allows me to think in a different way, even as it applies to patients on a day-by-day basis, and vice versa. I feel like my clinical care informs my research questions as well. So I really like that there's a nice balance between the way that I use my brain throughout the day. The other thing I like about my job is that this combination of research and um, clinical care allows me to set the pace of my life. Because research is on my own time, like I've mentioned before, I can decide to come into work very early in order to leave early and to be able to take care of my daughter as opposed to working a typical nine to five hours. So I really like the flexibility that spending a lot of my time in research provides, and I really like the career that I have right now. Hi, my name's Ricardo Salas. I'm a medical oncologist working in a community setting in Bakersfield, California. A typical day for me looks like get to work approximately around 8, 
and I see approximately anywhere between 17 to 23 or 4 patients, more or less, a day, not counting the days that I'm on call. Uh, I'm on call every third week, and those days typically we see approximately 30, 35 patients in, a, in one day. The uh, thing that I like most about my job, and I really look at it more as a vocation, really the ability to serve others, whether it be in big ways or small ways, but certainly trying to improve the lives of others uh, in no matter what we do, even if it's getting them a glass of water during their visit. You know, I've certainly been given the opportunity to go back to the San Joaquin Valley, where I'm originally from, particularly to serve that community. And that community in general is very underserved. You know, when I first set out on this mission, on this goal of becoming a doctor, I, you know, said to myself that I would like to return back to the San Joaquin Valley and serve the community, never realizing that, you know, how that was going to come to fruition or how that was going to take place. But fortunately, I was given an opportunity to come back to a small community hospital in Bakersfield to be able to do that. And I think when I got into this field and decided to pursue medicine as a vocation, my thoughts, or at least my influence, was essentially my background in uh, growing up as a farm worker. And, and that really propelled me into pursuing you know, a career in which I would be able to serve others. I wasn't sure if it was going to be medicine or, or it was going to become an attorney. Uh, ultimately, I chose medicine. But my point is that you know, when I have patients that are farm workers that come in to see me, that really justifies and or you have a sense of feeling of completeness because that's the purpose or at least one of the reasons why I decided to go into medicine is to be able to come back and serve medically unserved communities, especially farm workers, and uh, to be able to advocate for, for them. And I think, you know, when I have patients that come in who are farm workers, there's a sense of strong connection in many different ways and uh, empathy, if you will. And so, you know, I think I'm certainly blessed and uh, fortunate to be able to do what I do. Thank you. Hello, my name is Michelle Contreras. I am an OBGYN and I work for a large health organization. A typical day in my life is a day that changes all the time. I could be in the office seeing patients for a full day of clinic, and this is um, all female patients dealing with the wide range anywhere between adolescents to patients in their reproductive years, doing their prenatal care or helping them not get pregnant to dealing with infertility and also seeing patients in their midlife through their menopausal problems or menstrual issues to patients in their elder years dealing with incontinence, prolapse, um, postmenopausal bleeding. In the office, I will do a variety of procedures, biopsies, IUD placements, IUD removals, um, colposcopies, things like that. And um, that could be one day, and then the next day I might be on labor and delivery, um, delivering patients by um, C-section or vaginal births or dealing with some of the sadder outcomes of our specialty like postpartum hemorrhages or stillbirths, miscarriages, things like that. Um, and other days might just be a surgical day where I have cases that I have 
booked, um, whether they're minor procedures to major procedures like hysterectomies, removal of fibroids, removal of ovarian tumors, things like that. So I guess that leads into the last question as to why I like this specialty and what I enjoy most about this specialty. And and that is that I never get bored <laughs> and I see and do a lot of different things and I have that continuity of care with patients and I enjoy seeing women through their pregnancy and being there to deliver their babies and that doesn't get old. I still really, really enjoy that a lot and I think it's so special to be a part of someone's life in those moments and and even in the tough moments and the sad moments. So that is me. That is my specialty. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Please check out our website at www.futureminoritydoctor.com. If you'd like to submit any questions or comments, please do so through our contact page. See you next time. We'll see you next time.